comprised 29% of Canada's manufacturing workforce for the past 40 years. But representation is gradually increasing as key industry players lead the change on gender equity. In an effort to show the ongoing efforts to dismantle the barriers that prevent or even discourage women from entering the industry, the Women in Manufacturing podcast will feature conversations with industry trailblazers who will share their career advice and real life experiences, recommend actions companies can take to recruit women and advance them in their careers, and so much more. Suzanne Greenman is the President and Principal Asset Management Advisor of Greenman Asset Management Solutions, a firm headquartered in Winnipeg, Manitoba. She's the author of Risk-Based Asset Criticality Assessment Handbook, and she's an accomplished asset management leader with over 23 years of experience. Suzanne has worked across several asset management disciplines to implement asset management strategies for cement manufacturing, power generation, wastewater treatment, maritime transportation, and airport assets. Thank you very much for being with me today on this uh, podcast for Women in Manufacturing. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's, oh my goodness, a sincere pleasure to be here. It's my pleasure as well. So Suzanne, uh, tell me more about your day-to-day as an asset management advisor, but also as the president. So what do you do at Greenman Asset Management Solutions? You know, Maryam, this is a very interesting question. It's one that I've never been asked before. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it took me back a little bit. Um, but listen, uh, right now, my days consist of a lot of business planning. Uh, we're in the stage that we're shaping the company. We're deciding the direction. So there is a lot of work that's going into that. Uh, we're also mm-hmm. quite new. So there's a lot of a promotion of the company to reach the the target audiences that we want to reach. And then there is communication, a lot of it. I mean, there are some persons that I communicate with regularly. First of all, staff, you know, and that could be on projects, it could be on planning, it could be on catching up with, you know, it could be anything. Uh, some of my staff are part-time, so it, we, we reach out and connect regularly. There's also my board that I communicate with for strategy and direction setting, uh, accountant and bookkeeper, especially now that we're in tax season, but quite regularly. Uh, there's, <laughs> strangely enough, um, the company lawyer as well, um, quite a bit of communication there. Um, you know, they say as a business owner, two, two people that should be in each pocket. One is your accountant, one is your lawyer. So that's, that's really mm-hmm. very true. And then of course there is um, my graphic designer. I think that he's probably the person that I speak to the most, you know, all the time. Uh, website designer as well. Um, we own a few websites and we have a few projects that's, that are coming out, you know. And so there's a lot of engagement and a lot of communication mm-hmm. as as CEO. You, you really can't get away from that side of the business. That's mm-hmm. that's mainly what what the what my days are about, you know, business planning, uh, uh, marketing the business well, and also um, communication. Tons of it to make sure that I stay out of my own way and, you know, largely that the company is doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. And how's that working out for you uh, during COVID-19? I know a lot of businesses have to pivot. So how did you do that? So it's been really interesting for us. Uh, prior to COVID, uh, I'd been working from home and some of my staff had been working from home. Like I said, some of them are part-time. 
so that part of it <clears throat> was not a significant uh, shift for us. Um, I think initially there was a, a little bit of a push in the market to get uh, mm -hmm. the companies who would be our clients to recognize that a lot of this work can actually be delivered remotely. Um, as time wore on, I'd say round about Q2 of um, 2020, that I think that idea firmly took hold. And, and since that we've developed uh, most of our projects, all of our projects uh, remotely. Mm -hmm. So it took a little while for the marketplace to kind of get settled on that. Uh, I think we were a little bit um, gun shy at the beginning, but then afterwards people people came on board and it, it isn't a strange phenomenon. So that, that's the extent of it. In, in 2019 as well, we had a strategy to move some of our courses on demand um, to, to get away from, uh, you know, to to point the business in a different direction strategy-wise as it came to public teaching. And so we had uh, started that process in, in 2020 as well. So that uh, aligned, I'd say, complemented really well what um, what strategies needed to look like for, for COVID and pivoting. So yeah, that, that's about um, how, how we kind of got there. So very, very happy to see validation for some of our strategies coming out of new approaches for COVID as well. That's great. That's great to hear. And uh, Suzanne, you described a lot of things that you do at uh, Greenman Asset Management Solutions, but what's your favorite thing about working there? My favorite thing about working at, at Greenman Asset Management Solutions is that I personally get to work really closely with the clients. It's why I started the business, it's why I got into business. Mm -hmm. And I'm hoping that over time, I'll be able to structure the company in a way that I continue to do that because it's a, it's a great, great, great level of fulfillment to be able to directly support the clients and their goals for improvement. And like I said, it's what I wanted and I'm happy to be in a position to see it happen on a daily basis. It's, it's, it's a position of, of privilege and I'm very, very grateful for it. Great. And uh, what has been a project that you worked on that you're most proud of? Oh, listen, I was celebrator of small wins. You know, <laughs> last night somebody signed up for one of my courses online and I was doing the conga line in the house. So I'm a celebrator of small wins, right? So I'm proud yeah. of every little step that we've taken. However, um, most recently, we developed a zero-based value framework for a client um, to support their decision-making system. And mm -hmm. it was a framework that, well, it is a framework that matched them uniquely. And oh, their happiness just made me so proud that we took that approach and we stuck to the to the approach that we took, you know. And then there was the launch of the Grooman Asset Management Academy in 2020. And all the on-demand courses that we've been able to launch and bring to bring to market since that. So that's made me very proud. But you know what? There you know, also, you know, a little bit in, in the past, but when I started the company and, and the year that I hired myself, you know, I drove down to the CRA office with my girls. I took them down there, the very, they're young girls. 
and to drop off our first um, source deductions. And I said, girls, this is the way it's done. This is the way that business is done. You know, being in business means that you're paying your taxes. And I was so proud to pay my taxes. You know, mommy is no longer unemployed. Mommy had a job. <laughs> it, it was really, really exciting to be able to do that. You know, we got down to the office. There's nobody there. It's a drop box, but still we were very excited. There's also um, when my book was published, uh, mm-hmm. that was very good. I, it, it even got better when people started reaching out from around the world and, and telling me how they found that the theory is useful and how they could apply it to their organization. So that was good. And, you know, a few years back as well, I spent a couple of years in HR. A lot of people don't um, know this about me because I'm an engineer by profession. So I spent... Um, a couple of years in HR and I developed an award-winning organization capacity building program. And we were invited to a university, a local university there to showcase the program as paid speakers. And then the following year, the program won the company, the uh, Employers Association Award for being one of the best companies in the country. It was Trinidad mm-hmm. at the time. So it those things, you know, are career highlights for me. But like I say, I celebrate every small step and every small win. That's great, Suzanne. That's very inspiring. You also mentioned uh, your daughters earlier. So yes. um, how do they feel about your successes? At first, they, the little one especially, um, she was, what, about six or, or so, five or six when I started the company. And she she didn't really get the concept of working from home. So she would always like point to a company when we we're driving down the road and say, oh, mommy, you should get a job over there or you should come <laughs> and work at my school and, and stuff. And then uh, slowly realizing that we were okay, which means that I was actually bringing in a salary. Um, they're quite fascinated and they've been, even before I started the company, they've been fascinated by the activities that I get up to. Like they, they're fascinated by the people that I talk to on video conferencing. They're fascinated by the fact that I go to conferences and meet these people and speak. They're fascinated that I wrote a book. So I, I think that's uh, my family, my husband and my girls are like my first uh, fan base. And and those are the people that I kind of desire to make the happiest and happiest with me at least and with the company. My husband is also a shareholder in the company. So it's mm-hmm. very exciting to see that he's comfortable with what is happening in, in the company. It's great to have a support system like that. Um, so this is a question also from me, like, how do you, uh, like being a CEO and, but also a mom, how does that work out for you? Oh, it, it, <laughs> so <laughs> I, I saw a, a woman CEO, um, put up something the other day. What I have found myself doing is juggling all the balls and accepting that at some point, uh, either a ball is going to drop or you're not going to be perfect in the delivery of all things at all times. And so trade-offs have become important. You mentioned the support base before, and I got to say, that is the reason that I've actually gotten as far as I have, because my husband picks up um, some slots. My older daughter picks up some some slots as well. Mm-hmm. And so we work at the family now more as a cooperative rather than there is a, a mommy role and only mommy could do that. We kind of work as a, as a cooperative. 
and um, and then we we slot in. So we make sure that we fit in what is core. So what is family time? What is what is important for the kids? Um, there's no compromise in on school, especially, you know, your academics. It's it's a relatively short period of time to focus on academics. So there's no compromise in uh, that, mm-hmm. especially around maths and English reading, that kind of thing. But um, then we're, we're flexible. So I think, uh, first of all, I had to decide to be a different parent than, say, my mom was being a full-time employee. Of, of the government in her time, I had to decide to be a different kind of uh, parent, but also the the entire family had to embrace this. Otherwise, it, it, it wouldn't happen. It wouldn't work out at all. So, uh, Suzanne, you also mentioned earlier that uh, you're an engineer. Yes. So you studied engineering. Yes. So, electrical, uh, electrical engineering. Electrical engineering. So what drew you to a career in asset management? You know, in my first job, I was a maintenance technician. I was an instrument technician first before I became an engineer. I went back to to school and studied. And it was such a difficulty um, getting things coordinated. I started with even just finding information on the assets. And it became a passion and a pet peeve of mine. And working out that there has to be something more than just coming in and fixing things when they're when they're broken there has to be something more than even just doing preventive maintenance on on things and the more i started to search i then started to self-study in maintenance management because that is different from doing maintenance itself so i started to self-study there and then beyond that i realized that Oh, so maintenance is just one cog in the wheel. There is, there is, um, there is value. There is efficiency. There is production. There is um, the stakeholder. You know, and all of this needs to be put together around the assets. And you know, that is the way I started to look at it. And finally, you know, and even though the standards came out in 2014 these concepts and principles have been around forever, right? So we, we talk about asset management being new. Asset management itself isn't new. The standards have brought new focus to, you know, kind of an established way and, and defined principles, but started to work more um, holistically with within the organization. And I had roles, I had mentors, and I had bosses that allowed that to happen. So I got a lot of exposure to, let's say, like the financial side of the business. And, and those things really helped me to, to settle myself into asset management as a profession. And what excites you about your future in this industry? I think we have just scratched the surface of what is happening. I think uh, there's a lot of work to be done in companies. I think people who have made up their minds to to be conscientious uh, within the trade and to apply the right principles and bring their their personal experiences to bear and, and be willing to collaborate with others and bring the experiences of others to bear are, are really gonna make asset management what it is gonna be. I'm also excited that 
there are lots of uh, standards and and uh, refreshing of standards. Now we're in revision season for some of the ISO standards and the GFMAN landscape, MAM landscape, and so on. So lots of standards, but also for people to recognize that there are other standards. It's, it isn't just the ISO standards that support asset management within um, the work that you have to do to actually deliver asset management activities and systems, there are other standards. So I'm really pleased that uh, those standards are coming to bear. People are becoming more conscious of them. And just the fact that organizations, asset owners themselves, are becoming excited about asset management, they are seeking out asset management training. Uh, they're trying to get consultants with asset management experiences, then I think that a lot is going to happen in asset management over the next, say, 10 years, and mm-hmm. and companies are going to be better in the management of their assets. And, and in the end, the stakeholders, you know, customers, uh, owners, regulators are going to be more fulfilled. Users of these assets are going to be more fulfilled because a lot more thought is going to go into the long-term delivery of value rather than just maintaining assets and budgeting year by year. So I'm excited about that. And I think you talk about that in your book as well. So tell me more about your uh, uh, process of publishing uh, this book. And do you plan on publishing more books in the future? So I have another book that's uh, set to come on stream this year. Oh my goodness, um, see how much I told you I did as CEO. Finding time has been challenging, but I've made up my mind that it is going to come on stream this year. It is a different, um, it is a different book. It, it's dealing with different kinds of assets. So it's dealing with people assets and tangible assets. Uh, so that's, that's what um, I'm going to focus on in that book. The process of publishing my first book very interesting, very, very interesting. Um, I had uh, met my publisher and I, I really didn't know that I had, <laughs> but um, then somebody told me, I think, uh, oh my goodness, uh, one of your publishers told me that, um, yeah, listen, um, if you're looking at publishing a book, then here are some publishers, but this person, you know, works in that particular field. And they mentioned um, Terry to me. And when when Terry was mentioned, I reached out to Terry and the guys at Reliability Web. And, and he said, oh, yeah, we're doing it, Suzanne, we're doing it. Mm-hmm. And and we, we really we pushed and got it um, for the deadline and had it launched at, I think, IMC 2018. And so it has been... Uh, quite an exciting journey publishing publishing the book and just just the whole process though of getting your your thoughts down on how how will you communicate to the person that you're not able to see and speak to in a way that they can understand and so the 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 real journey was being able to step outside of myself and step into the shoes of of the reader and try to experience it and, and I always say, I wrote the book I wish I had when I started in industry 23 years ago. So I, I stepped into that kind of shoe and asked myself the questions that I was I would have been asking then and try to answer them through the book. And, and that's how we got there with that book. Mm-hmm. 
So um, Suzanne, you've had some great successes over the years and publishing uh, this book was one of them. But also, as we all know, like in every road in life, there's always an obstacle. Yes. So uh, what were the greatest barriers for you as you started out in your career and uh, how did you overcome them? The biggest barrier was actually me. It, it oh, was, wow. As an individual, you can fool a lot of people, but you can't fool yourselves. You can't deny your motives. You can't deny your shortcomings. Uh, so what I had to overcome was myself. And by that, I mean, I had to work on myself a lot. I had the privilege of being coached a lot through um, many of the roles that I've had. There are two companies in particular that I worked with that really believed in, in coaching, uh, particularly coaching young people for leadership. And so I benefited from that. And that was the process of making me actually see myself and the areas that I needed to work on. I had a, I had a boss, I'll just tell you flat out, and he said, you know, Suzanne, it's really your job to ingratiate yourself to people. It's not anybody's job to like you. And that resonated so much with me. And so I work very hard to make myself somebody that is not just approachable, but easy to deal with, but somebody that actually adds value to other people's lives. And the minute I started to focus on essentially you'd say making myself a better person then uh roles started opening up um but i also had clarity on do i want to be in that place do i want this do i want that and working on myself emotionally uh increasing my knowledge base you will see uh from from my qualifications that i focus on my own self education quite a bit uh, I read also quite a bit. So I try to experience what others have experienced through books. Uh, I also uh, connect with people so regularly, so much of my time that I devote to just having a conversation with somebody that I find interesting. Mm -hmm. And so I put all of that together. I, I tried very hard to get really good experience. And so now uh, what I can bring to my clients is asset management experience, but also maintenance management experience, experience of having been on the shop floor, experience of having been a manager, experience of understanding uh, business, asset owning experience, consulting experience, uh, HR experience. So kind of the, the complexity of what the uh, Greenman Asset Management Solutions can deliver is just based on the fact that I set out to get that experience. And part of it meant that I got a lot of um, value from living in different countries with different people and understanding life. So, you know, what I've had to work on, I, and I set out on this path decades ago to be able to say this now, uh, and sometimes it wasn't even always deliberate. Sometimes it happened because of other decisions that I took. Uh, but I had to work on myself. And once I worked on myself, I was then very clear on where I wanted to be, who I wanted to be with, and how I could shape myself to be of value to society. And that's really what I focus on right now. 
Suzanne, that's uh, great advice uh, to everyone and not only you. So um, what about with regard to being a female working in a traditionally male-dominated field? Uh, do you find challenges in that regard? I don't know if I've done it so long that I sometimes can't remember. Um, the one thing I, I've said, whether it is you're a woman working in a male-dominated industry, whether you are a person of color um, working as a minority in, 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 in workplaces, uh, whether you have any kind of, of anywhere you are on what I have learned now to be the diversity spectrum, it is irrelevant sometimes to what I consider to be the character building things. And not that there aren't really bad things happening in the world with people of color, with um, people of different sexual orientations, because uh, it seems as human beings, we're, we're hell-bent on finding differences and capitalizing on differences. So what I've done uh, for myself is that I have focused on what I needed to build myself into an enviable kind of position. So I, I tried to get the best experiences and I tried to get the best education for myself. And given the choice of spending money, I'd rather spend money on those kinds of things. I'd rather spend money on going to a good conference than buying clothes. I'd rather spend money you know, on things that build me. So when it comes to working with men, and I again, I'm trying, I'm struggling sometimes to understand if it if it is even any different working with a whole bunch of women. I just don't have that experience. So when it comes to working in that environment, I would always say go back to knowing who you are and knowing what you want, and focus on that. Because if you focus on that, then you'll find a way to get it, regardless of who you're with, and you will also realize when it is time to transition. And, and that is where I think it's very important to, to be able to see the environment for what it, what it is and realize that the, if you focus on who you are, what you want, then you'll realize that, you know, my time here in this particular spot is limited. I'm here for something, I'm gonna get it. But then also when I get it, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go because that doesn't really, suit me. I don't focus on the womanness of being a woman. I don't focus on any other physical or what I call superficial things on the diversity spectrum. A lot of them are superficial as in people focus on the wrong things. I focus on what is the content of what is to be delivered. Uh, can I deliver it? Can I learn how to deliver it? And I focus on the substance of things, not the shape and the form of things. So I don't focus on if you're hot or if you're fat, if you're not as good looking as somebody else, you can't step off the pages of GQ magazine. Those things aren't really important to me. I focus on what is the substance of a, who you are as a person, the character that you bring. And I think it will always occupy a higher place in humanity than what 
other people try to push about the color of your skin, being a woman, your sexual orientation, what country you come from, etc., etc. Those things are in relation to the substance of the value that you need to deliver as an individual. Those things are superficial. I can't tell you that my approach is 100% correct, but that is what I focus on substance. Mm-hmm. And Suzanne, like in that regard, um, as a woman, what advice would you give for women in the industry who are looking to advance uh, to leadership positions or like uh, more senior roles? So I'd say, make up your mind to be a continuous learner. When you're doing that, pay attention to both theory and practical skills. Don't don't trade one over the other. Don't say, you know, I'm just going to be a practical person because the theory, the science, the concept, the philosophy behind anything is important. So that means that you can't hesitate to to invest in classroom training to back up your practical skills and experience. You need to know every part of of the thing that that you want to be an expert in. So bear in mind again that education is multifaceted. It's not just classroom training. I have two girls and I'll tell any woman in industry what I tell my girls travel, read good books, go to school, get good experience. So become a continuous learner. Just be curious about life. Have good conversations, right? A lot of our conversations are low level. It's about people. It's about things. It's about things that don't matter. Focus on important things. Have conversations about that and interface with people um, with, that you can learn from. So, you know, like I mentioned, I have conversations with people that I meet on LinkedIn and say, oh yeah, that, let's set up a meeting and talk about that. You know, mm-hmm. I, I talk to people about what they're doing. Yeah, what are you doing in that regard? Just to learn something, you know? The job that you have, it doesn't matter what that job is and the higher you go up in organizations, the more this particular advice is going to matter is... Uh, The job is 70% people. So interpersonal skills are very, very important. If you supervise people, those are the most important ones to take care of, you know? So focus on on people, focus on how you build your team and take care of, of the people. But you also have to take care of the business. That's the next bit of advice. So your position in a company, even in my own company, It's always one of stewardship over stakeholders' resources. And by resources, I mean, yes, there are people. I spoke about that before, but there's also money, financial resources. Uh, Make sure that you exercise good stewardship and develop that approach in your career to always be a good steward of money. There are lots of people in, in technical roles that have risen up in the organization, but don't have a good concept of how, for example, how money flows through the assets, how how revenues develop, but also importantly, how costs accrue and therefore how financial risks can can accrue and what kind of behaviors lead to that. And so they run into conflicts with, with their finance departments and with their CFOs. So whatever role you're in, whether you're on the shop floor or whether you're in management, take care of the business. So make sure that the decisions that you're making are what we call financially optimized and are always demonstrating good stewardship over stakeholders' resources. Um, 
I'd also say, I think I mentioned it before, so it might be a, a repeat, but I'll say it for emphasis, good quality experience cannot be beat. So mm-hmm. good quality experience is rare. A lot of people are getting excited over certifications. Certainly I have a lot of them. So I will tell you that good quality experience cannot be beat. It is rare. Chase experience before you chase certifications. Even if you do it side by side, I don't care, but make sure that you're using your certifications to back up your experience and not the other way around. So don't go empty handed into a role or into any kind of situation with just the certification. Make sure you have the experience as well. Remember, again, we, we spoke about education. I'd say one of the, the cheapest way to educate mm-hmm. yourself because traveling is expensive. We're all happy for it to come back after COVID, but it's always going to be expensive. Reading is very cheap. There's a lot of reading, a lot of educational material on on LinkedIn, you know, even on Facebook. Don't just scroll. Don't just scroll. Find find something to read. So read as well on a variety of topics and on different genres. Um, I've had the privilege of connecting with my LinkedIn network and asking for book suggestions for the year. And I got, I think, about 22 books back and I'm working my way through them and they're all so very different you know one one of the most exciting ones that I've read was um the lion's tracker's guide to life uh that was a recommendation from Blair Blair Frazier there's also been um the magic of thinking big so many you go on my LinkedIn profile because I as I read them I thank the persons that that recommended them but books are just so interesting. So read widely because you will also improve your ability to, to write, to concentrate, to speak as well. Read a wide variety of topics and, and genres, you know, and get excited about it. It's all a part of your learning. It's all a part of your development. But, you know, my mom used to say there's a whole other world inside of books. So... I I delved into that world and it has been my solace and comfort over many, many years. I agree with you. Um, Reading is one of the best practices you can do for experience. And uh, also like that's great advice for all women in different industries. As you said, quality experience actually cannot be beat. No. Very true. Uh, So last but not least, Suzanne, uh, if you were to describe your whole journey in one word, uh, what would that word be? Eclectic. Eclectic. <laughs> Eclectic. It's, filled, it's <laughs> filled with a lot of different things, but they've all come back to help me in my current role in the business. They've all come back in different ways. So eclectic. You're such a great inspiration uh, to all women. And I really hope to see more women like you uh, right now and in the future leading uh, more senior roles and leadership positions. Uh, that's what we want to see in our future. Oh, thank you so much. I, and, and like I say, I, I think um, for women, now is a great time. Uh, so I'm also very, very um, grateful for what I've been seeing. I'm, I'm one of, of 
many, many women, and there are tons of women leading bigger um, companies than mine. There's Ross that just went to Walgreens, and there are tons of women I, I can't even begin to name, and, and even in, in the asset management space. And so I myself, I'm pretty excited to see women coming on board, but to see what the future holds for girls who are like my daughter's age. I, it's just boundless. There are no boundaries for them. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much, Miriam. It has been a distinct pleasure. Thank you for tuning in to the Women in Manufacturing podcast. For more episodes, please visit womenincanadianmanufacturing.com.